What is Shaken Fire Nation? JLD here with, of course, the lovely Kate Erickson. And together we, with, of course, the help of our accountant, Josh Bowerly, are going to deliver an incredible income report of October 2019. This one is an official podcast meeting we have sponsors. Myself and Kate are back in the headquarters, the Fire HQ. So we are excited to bring you great audio quality, great energy. We're excited to be back in Puerto Rico. We've been getting vitamin D now for a couple weeks, so life is good. And we have a very cool vacation income report coming your way. So real quick, our October 2019 income at a glance for the month of October, our gross income was $182,208. Our total expenses, which I know I'm very proud of and Kate's very excited about, were all the way down to $25,854, which of course is a ton of money for one month of expenses, but that gives us a net profit for our overall gross revenue of 86%. And my friends, I challenge you to find any company that's making seven figures out there with a higher net profit um, percentage than that. If, if they're out there, congratulations to you because you are running an incredibly lean and profitable business. Um, but we are really excited about that because that has been our biggest focus, as we mentioned a few times here in 2019. So that gives us a total net profit for the month of October of $156,000, which is actually a $48,000 increase over the month prior, which, by the way, is also exciting because we were in France for the entire month of October on vacation. Now, did we get up and check our emails and get into social media on a day-to-day basis? Absolutely. But it was 90 to 95% vacation, five to at most 10% business on this three-month vacation that we were on that just ended um, at the end of October. So, Definitely glad to see that we have a business that can continue to chug along both both gross and net profits um, wise while we are off uh, traipsing Europe and the world. So we're going to talk a little bit about more about that down in the income report. But before we get into anything more, we're going to take a quick minute to thank today's sponsors. Looking for a place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. That place is ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com slash fire. That's ziprecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The biggest needle mover in my business, funnels. The software I use to build my funnels, ClickFunnels, no question. Visit eofire.com slash click to start your free 14-day trial today. That's eofire.com slash click. So Fire Nation, as I told you, we have some really cool things to chat about on today's income report. But before we get into that, we're going to bring Josh Bowerly of CPA on Fire to drop a tax value bomb on the benefits of an S-Corp. And my friends, there are benefits galore. We've been utilizing these benefits for a very long time now. So please sit back, relax. Josh, take it away, brother. All right, John, one of the things we've talked about the most on these income reports, on these tax tips, is the idea of choosing the right entity for your business. 
And we talk about it a lot because it's one of the most important decisions you'll make for your business, right? It impacts the tax liability, it impacts the legal liability. It's an important decision. And for most profitable businesses, most profitable entrepreneurs, the right entity will end up being an S corporation. And we've discussed the idea of an S corporation several times, why it makes sense. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it several times in the future. But the main reason an S corp is a good tax move for profitable small businesses is that the profits in that business are not subject to what they call self-employment taxes, right? Like a sole proprietor, a partnership, an LLC, they are subject to self-employment taxes, which is basically a 15.2% Social Security and Medicare tax on the profits of that business. So that's a nice chunk of savings, right? Your business makes $100,000, you save $15,000 in taxes. But the IRS isn't dumb and they like to collect their tax money. So they say that while it is true the profits in an S corporation are not subject to self-employment tax, the owners in an S corporation who actively work in the business are required to take an actual salary from the business, meaning not a distribution, not a check you write to yourself, an actual salary where payroll taxes are withheld and paid. And why do they do that? Because that salary is going to be hit with payroll taxes, which is the exact same 15.2% at uh, taxes, self-employment taxes, the Social Security and Medicare taxes. So I know the, the first question becomes, if you're hit with that same 15.2% tax either way, what's the benefit of the S corporation? And the benefit is you don't have to pay all of those profits out as salary. The IRS says that you have to take a reasonable salary and the rest can come out as distributions, which are not subject to that tax. So that's what we're gonna talk about quickly today. What is a reasonable salary? Because in typical IRS fashion, that's kind of as vague as it gets, right? So let's look at a quick example. You have an internet marketing business that has $100,000 per year profit, meaning after all expenses, there was $100,000. As a sole proprietor, you're gonna pay 15.2% self-employment tax on that entire $100,000. If you're an S-Corp and you pay yourself, let's say a $50,000 salary, you're only gonna get hit with that 15.2% tax on the 50,000 salary, not the remaining 50,000 in profits, which you can still take out as a distribution. So the simple takeaway here is that you want your salary to be as low as possible, right? And of course the IRS says, no, we, we want it to be reasonable. So there's several factors that we look at when it comes to being reasonable. Um, it, it, it's so very so widely based on your business and several other factors. One of the things we're going to look at is what industry you're in, right? Because someone that's an attorney probably needs to pay themselves higher than someone that I, I, I don't. I'm not going <laughs> to throw out any specifics here because that can get ugly when we're comparing that. But your industry matters. How much is the average person paid in your industry? Your training and experience matters, right? Because if you're one year out of law school, you're probably not going to get paid as much as a partner in a law firm that's been doing it for 20 years. Um, your time working in the business, I mean, how many, meaning how many hours per week you put into that because someone that works 60 hours a week is gonna get paid more than someone that make, works 10 hours per week. Um, and finally, your how much you pay your employees. If you have other employees in the business, if you have other contractors, how much are you paying them? Because if there's no one else in the business and it's all you, probably more of those profits need to be paid out to you in the form of payroll. And those are all great ways to look at it, but for me, there's one true way to, to figure out what is reasonable, one overriding question to ask yourself, and that is, if I had to replace myself in the business to do exactly what I do, how much would I have to pay somebody else? Okay, so John, quick example, 
you decide you want to keep Entrepreneur on Fire, but you're done with the podcast, your, your, your voice is gone, you can't do it anymore. What would you have to pay someone to come in and do what you do day to day, run the podcast, host the guests, everything? And don't panic everybody, I'm sure it's not happening, but just as an example, what would John have to pay someone? He'd have to look at it and say, all right, if I wanted someone to replace what I do day to day, how much would I have to pay them? And all of those things are going to come to become a factor, right? How much time does that person have to spend doing it? How much experience do they have? Um, were they paid at their other job doing something similar? And even this can be a tricky question, right? Because there's not exactly people out there advertising, trying to get a job as to replace someone as a podcaster, at least not that I know of. So you're going to have to use your brain a little bit. You're going to have to use a little bit of common sense. But that's the best question that as simple as I can give you is use some common sense and say, if I had to replace myself in the business doing what I do in this business, what would I have to pay them? And I mean, I, I, I leave it with this every week, but as with any tax, complex tax question, I highly recommend talking to an expert and determine what is a reasonable salary for you. This does have big implications. If the IRS determines that your salary is too low, they can make you reclass some of those profits, some of those distributions as salary, then you'll have to pay the payroll taxes on that plus penalties and interest, which can add up pretty quickly. So get it right. Um, it also matters for the new business pass-through deduction, the 20% deduction. Depending on how high your income is, your salary could play a part in that as well. So very important. Talk to somebody. As always, Fire Nation is welcome to reach out to me directly, josh at cpmfire.com. And then we do have a brand new website, Fire Nation. should definitely check out at cpmfire.com. Josh, thanks for dropping those value bombs, brother. Always appreciated. And Fire Nation, of course, head over to cpaonfire.com to just learn some more great stuff for you, the entrepreneur, when it comes to running your business in a tax-efficient manner. And of course, Josh is always available via email, josh at cpaonfire.com. Reach out, give him a nice big hello from Fire Nation, and then uh, ask away, ask your questions. He'll direct you to the right place. So we're moving on now because it's been way, way too many minutes into this episode without hearing the lovely Kate Lynn Erickson's voice. I believe uh, Jill actually just dubbed her the goddess of systems today. So I think Kate's going to take that name and run with it. And we're going to be talking about France, four stops in four weeks. So uh, Miss Goddess of Systems, what say you? Oh my goodness. I'm so honored by that title, Jill. Is, <laughs> <laughs> she's she's setting a high bar for me and I'm, I'm ready to jump out and grab it. Um, what's up, Fire Nation? Super excited to be on the mic today. A little bit different from our last couple income reports where John and I were sitting next to each other and passing the mic back and forth and, you know, enjoying this incredible time in France, Paris, Annecy, Nice, and Bayou. Yeah, oh I think we had goodness. some sheep buying outside last time <laughs> we recorded an income report. If you followed our journeys on Instagram stories, you saw just like this crazy awesomeness of timing aligning. And when we were in Annecy, um, we got to experience this really cool annual traditional um, parade, I guess you could say. We're going to be talking about it when we get to Annecy because, I mean, we're really excited to share our journey with you guys and also a lot of the lessons that we learned from kind of taking that step back from the business. But there were definitely sheep in the street and I'm talking a lot of them. <laughs> and there were cows and there were geese and like, oh my gosh, it was such a cool experience. And I love actually how you made the comment that you're going to reach out and jump and grab that bar because that just brought me right back to 
the leap that both of us made in Fiji on that trapeze, which was 60 feet up Fire Nation. We had to just scale this at Tony Robbins Resort, jump off this tiny little platform, catch this little trapeze bar, grab onto it or do our best to, and then of course, rappel down to the ground. But we won't take any time on that because we talked about it in past income reports, but definitely check out those past income reports and this one as well because They are just chock full of beautiful photos, incredible write-ups by Kate of all these amazing areas that we experience. So you're going to get, of course, all the great content from our income reports we talk about business-wise, but also a ton of great content when it comes to our travels and the pictures and our takeaways and all that jazz. So Kate, take it away. Yes. So, okay. Like I said, we had four stops in France. It was Paris, Annecy, Nice, and Bayou. And Each of them was so unique and talk about like different landscapes and different experiences and different cultures. I mean, Paris greeted us with absolutely incredible food and shout out to Tribeca on Rue Claire. If you're ever in Paris and you're looking for the best salad of your life, I ate it probably eight times when we were in Paris, (laughs) as long as that's the number of days we were there. That's how many times I ate it. So Paris greeted us with such incredible food, Annecy, with these breathtaking views of the Swiss Alps and the lake and the, oh my goodness, I can't, it's the... I would say it's the most beautiful place I've ever been. Wow. What do, what do you think, John? I mean, it's up there for me. I'd have to really think about it before dubbing it that. It definitely has taken my breath away on multiple days that we were there. I mean, Nice just had the most amazing weather. We both got to Nice and we were like, oh my gosh, let's put on shorts. Like that's the first thing we did when we got to Nice. We were so excited to be, I think it was maybe like 75 degrees when we got to Nice. And I know for sure I was at a point where I was just like, get me out of layers. (laughs) I love wearing shorts and tank tops hashtag Puerto Rico. And so it was really cool to get to Nice and have such beautiful weather. And then by you, oh my goodness, hardcore history is all I have to say about that. Um, But each of our stops in France, they were completely different. We had completely different experiences in each of those. And we're really super excited to share some of the highlights of those experiences with you here. And I mean, this is like, if, if you travel or if you take vacations with your family, um, what it doesn't have to be a 90-day trip. I mean, it could be a weekend away. It could be even a staycation. I write um, trip diaries, I guess you could call them. And so after each stop, I would send a complete like trip diary, a recap of everything that we experienced in that place. And I send it to, you know, I don't know, there's maybe like 12, 13 people, a combination of mine and John's families. Eagerly awaiting these updates, by the way. And I just like, I had so much fun writing those and I include pictures. And so I had a lot of fun creating this income report because I actually went back to those emails that I had sent to our families over the time that we were away. And that's how just looking back and even rereading it myself, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot when that happened in Annecy or oh, that was such a cool experience in Bayou. And so if you if you don't do this right now when you travel, I highly encourage you to try it out. Even if you just take like jotted down notes of like some of the cool things that you saw and some of the things that you did. I don't know. It's really fun to look back on that. And even after your trip, be able to almost 
like relive those experiences in some way. Well, here's a ninja tip or trick too that I definitely want to do for this 2019 trip as well because back in 2018, Kate did this incredible write-up with pictures as well, keeping everybody updated. And her loving sister, Kara, accumulated all of those and then turned them into this unbelievable travel book where now we have this European uh, book for 2018 where we literally now can just open up this hardcover book and flip through the pages and see that 75-day, 17-country trip that we took last year, page by page by page. So it's worth the time to sit down, to write it out, to include the pictures, and then to have you know yourself or somebody just turn that into a book that can just go on the shelf. You can pull it out when, when you want to. And I mean, I know that I flipped through it multiple times. I'm looking forward to flipping through this 2019 book that I'm sure we're going to create multiple times in the future. It's just a great way to look back and be like, yes. And then of course, when people are like, oh yeah, I'm heading off to buy you like in a couple of months, be like, oh my God, let me go back and read that section and give you like all my clear, uh, memorable um, activities that we did during that. Because of course, you know, time's going to go by, your memories are going to fade, and you're going to forget a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you'll get jogged back when you go back and read that. So I think that's just kind of a cool little additional thing that Kara made happen for us last year that I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, going back to 2017 and 2016 and maybe make that happen for those years and then definitely do it 2019 and beyond. Have to give a huge shout out to my brother-in-law, John, who's also John as well, um, because I know he put a ton of time and thought into that. It was a gift from both of them. And they had me in tears at Christmas, you guys. I opened it up and I, I mean, I was going through it and I was literally like shedding tears of just like gratefulness. And it was just such an amazing gift and it was so thoughtful. So yeah, all the, and it's funny that you say that too, John, because I actually just had someone reach out to me and say that they're going to Edinburgh next, next year, or like, I think in January. And I said, oh my goodness, hold the phones. Let me go back to my trip diary from when we were in Edinburgh. And I was able to give them all these amazing tips about like that scary underground tour that we did <laughs> with Mark and Kieran and, um, you know, going and visiting the castle where we, and we got like those skip the line tickets. And I mean, all, I wouldn't have remembered all of that no stuff why. if I didn't have a place to go back and look for it. So um, yes, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So let's dive into some of the highlights. You ready? Let's do it. Cool. So, okay. Paris was our first stop in France, very beginning of October. And this wasn't our first time in Paris. So we had a really high expectations because we had an incredible visit there the first time around. We were only there for, I think three days. This was back when we took our two week completely unplugged first trip ever in our business in 2014. So it was kind of cool to go back to Paris because it was like, okay, it's been five years. And that was our very first trip together, like as, you know, not as a couple, but like after having started the business and to be able to step away from the business and show ourselves that that was possible to go back to Paris was really, really cool. Again, we had high expectations because we had an amazing time there the first time and Paris did not disappoint. It was my favorite stop of our entire trip. Um, we were walking down the most beautiful streets. We had, uh, the palace tour oh, Versailles is like so decadent and, uh, I always think of your dad when he tells me that I can't use the same like descriptive words over and over again. I'm like, hmm, what word am I going <laughs> to use for this? <laughs> um, I mean, strolling the Seine, 
so amazing. All the food, I told you about all the food. Um, so we had a, an amazing Airbnb experience. And oh, fun fact, I kind of didn't remember that I included this, but we actually stayed almost exclusively in Airbnbs over our entire trip. So I actually included in this month's income report our top Airbnb search tips because we don't use like a travel agent when we do these trips. We do everything ourselves. So John does all the research of like where we're going to visit. He books all the plane tickets and does that. And then I book all of our Airbnbs and like um, a couple of excursions at each stop. And so I shared my favorite top Airbnb search tips. If you guys want to check that out, eofire.com forward slash income seven four. Um, but let's get to our favorite things in Paris. So definitely our tour of Versailles. I thought that, I mean, it was a full, full day, right, John? What did we walk around Versailles for seven hours? Yeah, it was a long day. <laughs> oh, it was so amazing though, walking the gardens. And then we even went to like the smaller palace. And like, I'm just so glad that, you know, there, there actually was a point where I'm like, man, I'm kind of feeling like a little museumed out right now, but I'm so, so happy that we, I mean, how many times are you at the Palace of Versailles and have the opportunity to tour, you know, the the second palace on the ground. So um, that was a really awesome experience. The Rodin Museum was really super cool to go into. And what I loved about it is it's all his work. Like there's nothing else in that museum except for his work. Can you imagine like that being a part of your legacy, that there's an entire museum dedicated to just your work? I just thought I, I've never been into a museum that is only one single person's work. Um, so I thought that was really amazing. We had a full day walking around Paris with Christine, who we met up with her last year on our travels. She's from Berlin. And when we visited Berlin last year, she offered to show us around for the day. So this year when we went out, she's like, let me meet up with you guys somewhere. Where are you going to be? So she actually came out to Paris to like hang out with us for the day, which was super fun. Um, one of my highlights was also the uh, Père Lachaise Cemetery. That walking tour that we did with Rick Steves was very awesome. Um, the Musée de l'Armée was really extensive and in-depth and really awesome. I mean, I will say that Napoleon's tomb in that museum is just staggering. I mean, it's unbelievably huge. It's so much marble. I mean, I was really blown away by that. And it is quite an impressive sight. I mean, I hope that anyone tuning in who's like, oh, I've kind of thought about visiting Paris before, or like maybe you have a trip to Paris planned. Like these are some insider tips of like, do not miss out on these things. I mean, a, a walking tour of a cemetery with Rick Steves, like I, I'm so glad that was on your radar, John, because it was such a cool experience. Like I know both of us talked about it after the fact, but going to one, we probably never would have been like, oh, let's go walk through a cemetery uh, just for like no particular reason. And number two, even if we did say that, like getting there, the cemetery literally had streets because of how big it is. What did, I think he said is bigger than Disneyland, didn't he? It was some just crazy like jaw-dropping stat like that. So yeah, that could have been it. So I mean, these are some cool insider tips if anyone's planning to go to any of the stops we're talking about. Um, but yeah, we have some pics over on the income report of our time there. And we have pictures actually from all the stops that we were at. So if you guys want to check that out, again, eofire.com forward slash income seven 
for John, anything else on Paris? No, I think you crushed it. I mean, again, I just want to repeat the fact that our first Airbnb was right off of Rue Claire. Such a cool street. Like, I just love that it's pedestrian only for like the vast majority part. Like, a car will go by like every like hour or so because it has like special permission, but it's essentially just a pedestrian only street. And there's such cute little shops and restaurants. And big shout out to Tribeca, as Kate mentioned, because we loved that restaurant. So if anybody's listening and they're planning a trip to Paris, write down Rue Claire, it's R-U-E, Claire, C-L-E-R, and then the restaurant Tribeca. And I recommend the chicken piccata with truffle sauce. It was unbelievable to die for. Kate, take us to our next destination. I will after I say that actually <laughs> the the waiters at Tribeca memorized our orders and just started bringing us our food. Like we didn't even have to tell them what we wanted. But what was really funny too is that although Tribeca, the name of the restaurant is named after the borough in New York City that's called Tribeca, they all knew that, but none of them knew what Tribeca is. And I wonder how many people listening to this episode right now know what Tribeca actually stands for. Only a true New Yorker would, really a true Manhattanite. um, Tribeca stands for triangle, T-R-I, triangle below, B-E, Tribe, Canal Street, C-A. So Tribeca, triangle below Canal Street. Because if you look at the map, Tribeca, the borough, is shaped like a triangle and, and it is below Canal Street. So quick fun fact for all you non-New Yorkers and all you uh, NYC peeps will obviously know that and love it. So Kate, next destination. Okay, Annecy. So this is our first visit to Annecy and actually our first visit to the rest of the places I'll be talking about or we'll be talking about. Um, Again, like I said, one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to. It's literally known as the Venice of the Alps. So it holds a very special place in our memories from this trip. Just I mean, I'll never forget like when we got there and our Airbnb guy was kind of acquainting us with the apartment and he brings us over to the window and he points out the window and we're like the uh, Annecy Lake is just not even a block away. And my jaw just dropped. I'm like, oh my goodness. I felt like I was in a movie walking around this place. You'll see exactly what I mean if you go check out the pictures. Um, Again, Annecy is in France, but it's right on the Swiss border. So, I mean, you're just walking. They had really amazing walking paths too. They actually have a bike path that goes around the entire lake, which is about 43 kilometers. Uh, John and I biked it. That was one of our highlights for sure. Little asterisk with electric bikes. I don't want to give us too much credit. That is very true. And not to call you out, but to call you out, you were on level five, like almost the I whole know. time. I like, know. My battery <laughs> was almost all the way out and like Kate's was still like at full charge. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wanted to get a little bit of a workout in. Yeah, you um, Yeah. I mean, both of us did, even though we did have electric bikes. I mean, that was, it, I mean, we were on bikes for like five hours. Um, so yeah, this was John, your favorite stop of our entire trip, right? Number one. (laughs) And again, we stayed in Airbnb right on the edge of the old town. So we're just right next to the old town. We're a two minute walk at most to the lake. 
We've got these expansive walking paths and biking paths all around the lake. I went on many morning runs there. And some of our highlights, again, was doing that full day bike, the what they call the Tour de Lac. And uh, we went around the entire lake with many, many stops in between. We had Oh my gosh, remember that burger you had for lunch? Oh, so yummy. Whoa. Oh my goodness. I'm like picturing these things in my <laughs> mind right now. Um, exploring the Old Town streets of Annecy was really amazing too. And we were very lucky in our timing. Um, we hit. We got to visit the market twice. So they had like a street market. I, if I'm remembering correctly, it was like Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays or something. So we actually got to go to it on Tuesday and Saturday, had an amazing espresso from this very famous coffee truck. Do you remember the name of that coffee truck, actually? No, but the guy's name was Fabian. Oh, man. See, I could look back in my trip diary and I could tell you because <laughs> I <is>. definitely <laughs> like noted um, the name of the guy's coffee truck. But he had like, I mean, he had been written up in all these articles. He's like really famous in that area for his incredible coffee that he imported from all over the world. So he was very friendly too. Super friendly. Well, he's the one that ended up telling us about what, you know, all the sheep in the street, the retour day. I'll, 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 I'll butcher it. Retour de El Paul. Ah, they can go to the income report and just check it out. <laughs> <Yeah. there. laughs> um, but he's the one that actually ended up telling us like, Hey, did you guys know? So we met him on Tuesday at the market. He's like, what are you guys doing during your time here? He gave us a bunch of tips. Um, and, and then ended up telling us about this festival that happens. So this, this annual festival, it literally translates to however you say in France, the way that you say in English is back from the pastures. So basically what happens is all the farmers go up into the mountains, they bring their cows, their sheep, their donkeys, their goats, you name it. They're taking them all out of the mountains because winter's coming and they're going to put them in the farms down in the town, at, in their compound, whatever it might be. And to celebrate this, they do a tour through the old, old town streets. And we didn't know it at the time. But our Airbnb, we literally had the windows open in our Airbnb and we were right above this entire thing happening. So I have a video montage on the income report. You guys have to check this out. Like when have you ever seen a flock of geese walking down an old town street in France? <laughs> Me never until now. Um, so definitely go check that out. And also we have a ton of amazing pictures from our time in Annecy. Um, anything else on Annecy, John? No, I think you covered it. Awesome. Nice was our next stop. Um, wow. Really, really beautiful. Again, amazing weather. Some of the highlights in Nice were walking, um, hiking up Castle Hill. This gave you a really amazing view of the old town of the Mediterranean Sea. Um, the old towns, the old towns in these cities are my favorite part. Like how cool to walk through a town so old with so much like character, so much history. Um, we ended up getting to walk down the market street multiple times every day. Their market like kind of had a new theme. So that was cool to see. We also, John, you set up this amazing coastal hike from a town called Cap Ferrat to the next town over called Villafranc-Sumer. Absolutely gorgeous hike. Uh, a challenging hike too. Yeah, it wasn't easy. 
Yeah. And, and you're literally, you're on the coast the entire time. So John must have been like kind of sick of conversation because he's like, make sure you download some podcasts. <laughs> 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 no, I'm just teasing. But we did have a great time. Like uh, I binged. Um, what uh, What's the show that you told me about, about the college scandals? Gangster Capitalism. Yes, I binged that entire season on this walk. So good. Um, we spent a half day in Monaco. The um, gardens there, insane. Um, really, really amazing time in Nice. Again, we have pictures to prove it. And our last stop, Bayou, is uh, actually the first town liberated in France after D-Day. So a lot of history this is a very small town, very, very, very small town. Um, but it was kind of cool after like we had, you know, this was winding down our trip. This was our last stop. So after Fiji and Krakow and Riga and and Paris and, and we, you know, we were in a lot of really big cities. So it was kind of cool to wind down in like this very, very small city. We got to um, tour three museums, all of them amazing. Um, we got to do a full day tour of Mont St. Michel, which was Again, absolutely breathtaking. The botanical gardens there were amazing. We got to do the D-Day tour where um, we went to Omaha Beach. And uh, wow, I, I feel like I got a whole history lesson all over again, except like 10 times as good as in high school. <laughs> um, but really awesome time there as well. The two tours that we did, I really, really enjoyed both of those tours. Um, what would you say uh, in addition about Bayou, John? I just loved how they were really so pro-Canadian and American in these towns because these were the towns you know, that were first liberated after the Normandy D-Day back in 1945 or no, sorry, 1944. So it was just kind of really crazy to see all the flags and both American and Canadian and just continuously have like this great conversations and such happy faces where, you know, frankly, you don't get that in um, the rest of Europe. Like you don't get animosity in the rest of places, but you don't kind of have like this outpouring of like love and support and thanks and gratitude. And I mean, what are we talking like, you know, 70, 80 years later. So, I mean, it's still cool that that's kind of stuck around and um, it, it was really cool to see. And, and just kind of that kind of life and living that people in small towns live because Bayou is just, you know, still very much so a, a functioning small town, like a, like a lot of places around there and the countryside's beautiful. And I just really kind of enjoyed that whole experience overall. Yeah, it was very different from the other places that we've traveled to. So agreed for sure. Um, so, I mean, wrapping up our travels, it, they were so incredible. I mean, we had such an amazing time. We're so grateful and feel like very, very lucky that we have the ability to take trips like this. Um, and I will say by the time we hit Bayou and we're headed back to Paris, which is where we actually flew home from, I think both of us were pretty ready to get like back into our routine, come back home, come back to Puerto Rico, have this warm weather. And, uh, you know, one of that said, one of my favorite things after coming back is just kind of still trying to make a point of, okay, let's really think about like the time that we just spent away. One of my favorite parts of travel is just like 
understanding the perspective that it gives you, um, its ability to shed light on different cultures, different circumstances, um, different geographical, like, you know, the terrain and, and just how people live their everyday lives in, in other areas. I, I think that we lose that a lot when we're, you know, just kind of heads down and we're in our own environment and everything is quote unquote normal to us where we are. Right. So, um, you know, I really did enjoy kind of looking back on that and picking out like some of those experiences that, that were way above and beyond. I mean, Fiji is a perfect example. And I know we talked about that a ton where I just really feel like we got to immerse ourselves in the Fijian culture, um, given our circumstances there, staying at that, uh, the home away and, and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, John, what are your thoughts to wrap up the travel piece? Yeah, to wrap up the travel piece, I would say be intentional. And what I mean by that is be intentional about the business that you want to create. I mean, I'm going to be honest with everybody listening right now. Like Kate and I could make, we could make more money. We could make a lot more money. We could. I mean, it is possible for us to do that. But for what? To what ends? for, you know, grinding out 10 to 12 hours a day, you know, to uh, exchange uh, the vacations that we took to working more for that money to building a bigger team that we then have to run and manage and control uh, to make more money and to have higher expenses and overhead. Like, by the way, all of those things are fine and great. And people that want to go down that road should. People that want to grow a bigger team should. People that want to work hard in their business should. Like Kate and I worked very hard in the business for the first couple of years to get it to where it's at. And then, you know, we started to kind of let our hands off the gas a little bit as far as like not pumping the brake, but just not keeping it revved to the max anymore to trade off some, you know, capping our financials for work-life balance, for focusing on health, for fo- focusing on wellness, for focusing on happiness and joy and space and travel and family. And we've done all those things. And we've continued continue to run a seven-figure business while doing all those things. But we haven't grown into an eight-figure business or as some people have, like Russell, grown ClickFunnels into a nine-figure a year business because we've been intentional about the fact that that's not what we want now. We might want something bigger and more crazy in the future. We might want something less than we even are doing right now in the future. The future knows that. Nobody else does. Just the future knows that. But we are right now in this moment intentional about the business that we want to be running, the life that we want to be running, the health that we want to have and attain and acquire for ourselves and what that means to us right now. So that would be my overall thing that I want to say is, you know, Kate and I, you know, we we do give up things by taking these trips. You know, our health isn't, you know, unbelievable or, or let me rephrase that. We're not able to maintain optimal health on these trips to the level that we can in Puerto Rico. When we're in this controlled environment where we wake up. I have a virtual trainer. We're able to really be nitpicky about the food that we eat and there's not as many distractions. Our sleep schedules are so much more dialed in. All of these things. I mean, that's all impactful to your health. But, you know, we still want to be able to go off and do those things and then come back and say, okay, now it's time to recover what we've lost on that aspect of our life, which was, you know, maybe a little bit of that circadian rhythm, maybe a little bit of that nutrition that we really wanted, you know, maybe a little bit of that 
very consistent, dedicated exercise that we kind of gave up for other things that we were doing and all these things. So to me, it's just be intentional about what it is you truly want. Kate and I truly wanted to take that trip and we were willing to have the trade-offs that resulted from that. And now we truly want to be here present in Puerto Rico, but not just always working, having that that work-life balance that I was talking about earlier. So be intentional about that. And Kate's going to actually have uh, a really good biggest lesson learned at the end. So definitely take note to stick around for that. And I'm actually going to be moving right now into our October 2019 income breakdown. I'm going to break down how we made the money, where the income came from, where the revenue came from, what our expenses were, what we spent money on, et cetera, et cetera, as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. The biggest needle mover in my business, Funnels. They've allowed me to do so much, like deliver free courses to my audience, resulting in tens of thousands of leads. They've also helped me present live masterclasses to teach thousands of others of how to create and launch their own podcasts, and they've helped me generate millions of dollars in sales. But I couldn't have done any of it as effectively as I have without the right software to help. ClickFunnels. With ClickFunnels, you can build sales funnels without a programmer and without knowing any code. And these sales funnels walk your visitors through the sale in a way that maximizes your conversions and earnings. And the great thing about ClickFunnels is that it's not just your funnel building editor, it's also your shopping cart, your email autoresponder, your membership software, your affiliate management software, and so much more. Join over 90,000 entrepreneurs who are actively using ClickFunnels to easily get their products and their message out to the world. Visit eofire.com slash click to start your free 14-day trial today. That's eofire.com slash click. These days, there are so many tech improvements that make our lives easier. Let's take hiring, for example. Hiring used to be hard, posting to multiple job sites, combing through stacks of resumes, but today, hiring can be easy with ZipRecruiter. No one knows this better than Talia Goldstein of 3-Day Rule, an online matchmaking service. 3-Day Rule was rapidly expanding, and hiring, especially for a specialized role like matchmaker, was challenging. There are a few ways ZipRecruiter helped. One, they send jobs to over one hundred of the web's leading job boards. Two, their centralized candidate dashboard make it easy to receive and review candidates, and their pre-screening questions allow them to hone in on qualified candidates quickly. By using ZipRecruiter, 3-Day Rule was able to increase their staff by 30%. Talia says, we just launched our 10th city. We have 15 cities to go. I know that ZipRecruiter is going to be there to help me find the best matchmakers across the country. And right now, you too can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter dot com slash fire. That's ziprecruiter.com slash fire. Once again, ziprecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, Fire Nation, we are back and I'm going to break down the income reports for 2019. And this is, of course, the month of October's income report. And as I mentioned, Kate's going to be dropping some value bombs and the biggest lesson learned. So don't go anywhere. So our total journal sales were 481. Um, Let's see how many. That was 155 of those were Freedom Journals. 109 of those were Mastery Journals. And it wasn't even close this month. The podcast journal blew them both away. And by them both, I mean the Mastery and Freedom Journal away with 210 
podcast journals sold. So hats off to the podcast journal, rocking and rolling. If you know anybody that's looking to create and launch their podcast and they want a guide and they want to do it in 50 days, it could be a great Christmas gift. Head, head over to thepodcastjournal.com and gift them that amazing gift. We also rocked Podcasters Paradise uh, with a total dollar amount of $26,599. And we also were able to generate $76,660 through our podcast sponsorship. So of course, that's a huge part of our overall revenue for sure. Moving into affiliate income, we did $66,000. Um, our big one was ClickFunnels at 19000 We also uh, did another 21000 in course sales for Tony Robbins, uh, $17,000 uh, for supporting Amy Porterfield's Digital Course Academy. Uh, Dan Locke's Closers on Fire brought in just under $3,500, so a great month there. For a total gross income of $182,000, our expenses were $25,854. So again, a lot of money, but percentage-wise, not too shabby. Um, And we break down everything from the products and the services and our recurring um, expenses that we have on a month-to-month basis so you can see what we think is worth our dollars and cents um, on this recurring month-over-month basis and plus our one-off expenses as well, like legal and design and all of that jazz. So our net profit was $156,354. And again, that was about $48,000 more than the month prior. So a big jump from September. So uh, yay, Team Fire. And I'll now pass it back over to Kate to take this home on the biggest lesson learned. So I'm bringing in some of my biggest takeaways from our time with Tony Robbins into this income reports, biggest lesson learned, which is the words that we speak. And this was my biggest takeaway from my one-on-one time with Tony is how powerful the words are that we speak. If you've watched Tony Robbins in action, then you know he doesn't beat around the bush. He's there to make a huge impact. And sometimes that requires saying things that a lot of people would probably feel pretty uncomfortable saying. And you better believe when I was in the hot seat and looking at Tony in the eyes. I'm like shaking a little bit. I'm nervous. But the result of that, of me feeling, yeah, pretty uncomfortable, to be honest, um, you get to face your deepest limiting beliefs head on and you get to face the things that, um, you know, bring up that fear or that nervousness. And if you choose to, you also get to ditch them as a result. And something that Tony called me out on was the number of times that I used the word scared or afraid when I was trying to describe what I felt was missing for me right now based on where I'm at and and where I want to be. He explained in a way that I've never really considered before that boiled down to the fact that the words that we speak become our beliefs. This is not the first time you've heard somebody say this, I'm sure. If it is, please take it in. The words we speak become our beliefs and what we think about becomes our beliefs. Again, I don't expect this is the first time that you've heard this, but do you actually hold yourself accountable to that? 
it has likely become something that's completely subconscious for you because I know that's how it was for me. I didn't even realize that I was littering my biggest dreams and aspirations with the words scared and afraid. And you know what happens to dreams and aspirations that are littered with those words? I'm scared and I'm afraid. You approach them from a mindset of being scared and afraid. Very simple, right? Very logical. But I don't know about you. That is not the way that I want to approach my dreams and aspirations. I want to approach my dreams and aspirations with excitement, with confidence, with power. And so I really encourage you to join me because I am very all in on this right now. Spend the next week being extra aware of the words that you are speaking, of what you are telling yourself, even if it's in your own mind, even if those words aren't coming out of your mouth, but do it with the words that are coming out of your mouth too. Start a tally and ask your family and your friends to help call you out when you start using language that you don't want to describe your beliefs and your reality. This is up to you. You get to choose how you talk to yourself, how you describe your dreams, how you talk to others, how you approach your aspirations. So please, please remember my biggest takeaway from Tony Robbins, the words we speak become what we believe. Fire Nation, that is a value bomb to end the episode. And I just want to thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. We're going to continue to just bring you value every single week, every single month, every single year for as long as our heart desires. So best of luck with everything. And I will catch you on the flip side. Growing businesses need qualified candidates, and qualified candidates can be a challenge to find. Lucky for us, ZipRecruiter makes it simple, fast, and smart. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The biggest needle mover in my business? Funnels. The software I use to build my funnels? Click funnels, no question. Visit eofire.com slash click to start your free 14-day trial today. That's eofire.com slash click.